What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ride in the Pine. Jack Ridenour back with you all today, and as always, we have another tremendous episode in store for everyone at home, but before we get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. Now, last week, because of the holiday, I did not have any episodes, so the previous episode that I had was a great one with a tremendous guest coming from the college basketball world, current University of Miami of Ohio men's basketball player Morgan Safford. Morgan and I got into his career starting out at Wofford College. And what led him wanting to start out his career there, what it's been like being a part of the Miami of Ohio men's basketball team this season, and what it's been like getting adjusted to a new program and a new style of play, and so much more. So if you want to hear about Morgan's journey to Miami of Ohio and a little bit about the Red Hawks season, go check out episode 266 and all 266 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now, getting into today, we're going to be joined by another fantastic guest, a recurring guest, and a guest that's also my boss. Current owner and founder of the Westmoreland Sports Network, Dan Flickinger. Dan and I get into how this past football season was in the high school scene and in the WPIAL and how the reclassifications in the Western Pennsylvania area helped and hindered some teams. A little preview into this upcoming winter as well as the spring season and what we will be covering on WSN and all the different sports that we will be broadcasting and also a little sneak peek into this upcoming Friday showdown for Belvernon as the Belvernon Leopards have made their way into the state playoffs in the Western Pennsylvania area. So a lot of great things that we'll be discussing here on Ride in the Pine. So don't go anywhere because here comes Dan Flickinger. So with that, folks, let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And I'm here with owner and founder of the Westmoreland Sports Network, and he happens to be my boss as well, Dan Flickinger. Dan, as always, great to get you on the show today, my friend. How's it going? It's going great, Jack. Thanks to you for having me on again. I, I guess I didn't screw things up too badly last time, so it's always good when you get asked to be on such a prestigious show again. So thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Well, hey, listen, I had to get such a big name like yourself back on. Uh, I should be thanking you for taking a little time. You you didn't screw anything up too bad. So that was good. You, you, you passed the first test. That was great. Um, So really appreciate you hopping back on today. But want to kind of just dive in, obviously, with football season kind of winding up and whatnot and getting out of the high school football season. Still some big things on the horizon. We'll get into that in a little bit. But just overall, how was it this past football season in the WPIAL and just with everything and just broadcasting and covering all sorts of schools? Yeah, it was really fun, uh, as it always is. You know, um, you, you got to love every sport as a broadcaster, right? Even the ones you don't know a whole lot about. Uh, I, I think you probably share my feelings on some of the other sports that we had to learn a little bit, like lacrosse, like soccer. Um, but you, you have to wrap your arms around every single sport that you cover, prepare for every single sport, uh, whether you like it the most or like it the least. Um, but high school football obviously rules in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, you can see it in the stands. You can see it with our uh, viewership and listenership numbers that it's just it, it's just number one, you know, in, in terms of um, what people want to see and what people want to talk about. You go on social media and it's it, it really is, um, you know, it just kind of dominates the landscape. And when you look at, you know, just how the Westmoreland County teams did this year, we had some new teams stepping up. Uh, Franklin Regional wins a conference championship. They upset Gateway, one of the top teams in Class 5A coming into the year. I don't think anyone thought that Franklin Regional was going to win a conference title. 
They did so. Uh, Hemfield in that same conference had an amazing start to the season. Jack, I know you know this because you broadcast a lot of their games uh, this year. Had an amazing start to the season. Their starting quarterback gets hurt, and then they end up missing the playoffs. But that was pretty neat to see. You know, a team that doesn't necessarily dominate year after year, they come out of nowhere and uh, and really have a nice year. So you look at those two teams coming out of nowhere. Penn Trafford, another solid year after winning a state and Whitfield championship last year. They lost in the first round of the playoffs, but they got to the playoffs, and uh, that's something that they seem to do year after year. Um, but you look at some of the top teams that, that really did some work in the playoffs. Ligonier Valley wins a playoff game for the first time uh, in the WPIAL uh, ever. Latrobe wins a WPAL playoff game for the first time uh, since I think it was like 1968 or something like that. Uh, Bell Vernon just won a Whippeal championship. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit uh, more. Uh, Bell Vernon wins a Whippeal title. They're playing in a state semifinal game now. Um, you know, and some of the other teams too that uh, just really. Uh, stood out. Um, so you have some of the teams in Westmoreland County that kind of do it year after year, like Bell Vernon, like uh, Penn Trafford. Uh, but you also have some new teams like Latrobe, Hemfield and Franklin Regional uh, that really had some some nice seasons this year. A little bit of a disappointing playoff, I think, performance by Westmoreland County overall. You know, there were some teams that got in, you know, Franklin Regional gets upset. Greensburg Central Catholic, I didn't even talk about them yet. Uh, a huge upset uh, they were the number three seed, and they lost in the first round of the WPAL uh, playoffs, but they had a great regular season anyway. Um, so a little bit of a disappointing, I think, playoff performance overall by Westmoreland County teams. But it was nice to see some new blood uh, this year. And, and Jack, you know, we're there every Friday night, man. It's it's uh, it's hectic. You know, we're broadcasting five games at least, at, you know, every Friday night. And uh, but it's a lot of fun, you know, even though football for high school football is once a week. It, it probably is our busiest time, just kind of what goes on before the games on Friday. Yeah, no question. Uh, and I was joking with you when we were uh, chatting. I said, the last few weeks, I feel like I've been needing to be somewhere at around five <laughs> o'clock on Fridays, but with no football, it's, it's you know, you're wondering where you're supposed to be. But I think on, on top of your point with all the new teams that have kind of emerged in the WPIAL, I think a big part of that has to be with the recent reclassification for a lot of these teams, you know, look, especially looking at Hemfield dropping down from 6A to 5A this year. But how would you say overall the reclassification this year helped or maybe hit hindered some teams. I mean, which teams do you think really benefited from that? Yeah, I think there were a couple of teams that that benefited. To be honest with you, Bell Vernon uh, benefited from it. Now, that doesn't mean Bell Vernon isn't a great program and, you know, wins a ton. Uh, last year, they were in Class 4A and they still made it to a WPIL championship. So they're a really, really good team. Um, but their enrollment kind of shown uh, showed that um, they had to drop down to Class 3A. Um, you can choose to play up if you want in classification in Pennsylvania, but um, you can't play down. So if your enrollment has you set as a class 3A team, you can't play 2A. If it has you set as a class 4A team, you can't play 3A, but you can elect to play up if you'd like to do that. Um, so with Bell Vernon dropping down, uh, they avoided Aliquippa. Aliquippa, in my opinion, is the best football program in Western Pennsylvania they just won another Whippeal championship, and I can't remember how many uh, it is. And, and Whippeal, of course, means district championship in PA. I, I think it's like fifteen or something. I, I don't. I don't think that's even the right number, but it's around there. It's in the teens. That's how many straight you know Whippeal championships that they've won. It's unbelievable. They're a single A school, Jack. Single A playing in four A, and they're still winning. 
Uh, they beat Bell Vernon, by the way, in the Whitfield Championship last year. So if you want to look at it that way, Bell Vernon did avoid Aliquippa uh, this year. Um, so, you know, that benefited them a little bit. But again, uh, when the enrollment numbers are uh, released every two years, the schools get slotted in uh, their classifications and then they can choose to play up. But you can't, you know, play down. So uh, I, I would say they, they benefited. Certainly Hemfield uh, benefited what we talked about, their tremendous start to the season. You know, uh, instead of having to play Pittsburgh Central Catholic and North Allegheny, they did play Seneca Valley in a non-section game. But um, instead of having to play them in a conference game, um, you know, they, they can play teams like Plum and, and Penn Trafford and, and those type of schools. Um, and it, it makes a little more geographical sense for Hemfield uh, and also enrollment. So I think it helped them. Uh, Franklin Regional was already in 5A, so I don't know. They, they didn't move at all. Uh, but I, I would say, you know, those two schools certainly would be up there at the top. But I think some other ones, you know, as well, uh, not only some teams dropping in classification this year, but also, you know, when the uh, WPIAL or actually the PIAA extended from four classifications to six, that has certainly helped some of the teams that are, you know, mid-sized schools to lower-sized schools to kind of thin things out a little bit. But it also hurt, I think, Hemfield and Norwin, the bigger schools in Westmoreland County, having to play with even bigger schools in Class 6A. But, of course, they have now dropped uh, as well. So it's kind of crazy, Jack. You know, it used to be four classifications in Pennsylvania for the longest time. Um, I, I think it was three classifications up to, like, 1990 or something. And then they, they've been four classifications from like that time period until what was it, 2015 or 14 or whatever, when the state went to six classifications. But with four, it was so easy on everybody to know kind of where everybody was. You see some schools going up and down a little bit, but not like it is now. And, and you know, one team could play, you know, a school like a Penn Trafford, you know, plays uh, football in 5A, but they play basketball in 6A, you know, and it's, but that fluctuates too. So it just, it makes it very confusing for us broadcasters to know where in the heck every school is in terms of classification. So it, it definitely has changed a lot of things, but the one thing I'll say, Jack, it's made things interesting, kind of kept, uh, kind of keeps, you know, us and everybody else on their feet. Absolutely. And uh, to your point, I think it also, you know, kind of opens up those doorways for maybe some new forming rivalries, you know, maybe some new matchups that maybe not never really existed before. But I'm glad you bring up the aspect of us media members, because that is very annoying for us to have to keep track of when it first went from 4A to 6A. I mean, what, you know, going back into that time, what was kind of that immediate reaction from everybody across the media spectrum in the Western Pennsylvania area hearing about that? I don't think people liked it. And, and granted, people don't like change, right? I mean, everybody kind of wants to, and I'm, I'm the same way, you know, the creature of habit thing. I like to keep things the same. Um, but I think it really benefited certain schools and some schools it didn't. I think with schools like Hemfield and Norwin, uh, geographically, it really hurt them because now again, they're in 5A now after dropping in the last reclassification uh, cycle. But when you look at when they first extended it to six classifications, and for the majority of the time that it's been six classifications, Hemfield and Norwin, instead of, you know, playing neighboring school districts like Penn Trafford, Plum, Gateway, those schools, uh, they had to make long trips into Pittsburgh, you know, to play again, North Allegheny, Pittsburgh, Central Catholic, Seneca Valley, Mount Lebanon. Uh, and the same for those schools, you know, they had to make the long treks out uh, to Westmoreland County at times, but I think that it it did not benefit 
in terms of geographical rivalries, some schools. However, it did allow more schools to play Whippeal uh, playoff games and Whippeal championship games because instead of four classifications, there's six. So you thin the herd, you know, a little bit. Um, so I, I think it, it, it's given more opportunities for more student athletes to play in meaningful games, in my opinion. Um, I, I think it happened right away, honestly, um, with Jeanette and Greensburg Central Catholic. That both teams played in the WPIL Baseball Championship. Uh, I think it was maybe a year after or maybe that same year they extended to six classifications. Jeanette had never even played in a Whippeal Baseball Championship before, and they beat Greensburg Central Catholic that year for their only Whippeal Baseball Championship ever. So I'm not saying anything bad about that team, but I'm just saying that if if there were only four classifications, there's probably better teams they're playing. They probably don't win a Whippeal Championship. That's just one example um, you know, there are many other examples that, that I could, you know, kind of comb through since then, you know, up until now with the extension of six classifications. But again, I think it's helped teams since there are more classifications have the ability to play meaningful games and, and you know, play in Whippeal championship games. My alma mater, Derry, look, they had a great team when they played in the Whippeal championship back in 2018. Uh, but if if they were playing Franklin Regional like they used to, if they were playing bigger schools, you know, would they have made the Whippeal Championship that year? I don't know. Um, but the fact that, again, those bigger schools that they were playing before are now a classification above them. They don't have to play them anymore. And it makes more sense, um, you know, for schools more their size to play. So I, I see both sides of the argument. Uh, but I don't think six classifications is going anywhere. I, I think they're, you know, the, we're rolling with this for a while, for sure. Could you ever see a world where it even expands to even more? Or maybe, you know, it goes to maybe seven or eight classifications? I don't think so. But I will say that I, I know that Hemfield and Norwin folks were like hoping that, I don't know, that that maybe the North Alleghenies, the Pittsburgh, the Mount Lebanons, those schools I've referenced a few times would like go to their own classification, like the super or like, you know, 7A or something, and then spread it out even more. I, I don't see that happening. I haven't heard that. Um, but hey, I mean, I, I don't know that people thought six classifications was ever going to happen. And, and a big reason, by the way, that, that the PIAA was exploring six classifications, because if you look around the state and you can Google this, um, you see many other states, you know, having well more than four classifications. You know, there are many other states that have five, six, seven, eight. I mean, now, granted, some of those states are like Texas, where they probably have, I don't know what it's up to there, but they, they have a lot of classifications. Pennsylvania, obviously, not as big as Texas. But I think that was a big reason why, you know, the PIAA wanted to expand. I don't know. I mean, we may we may see more, but I haven't heard any talk. Yeah, I think that it's uh, it's very interesting just to especially once you get up to 6A because it's it, it thins out incredibly. You know, you really think about all those 6A teams and there's not a ton. So it kind of because I think from from what I heard is that in the baseball season this year, they're going to go to a three game series yeah. on the weekdays with the, with 6A teams because there's so few teams in in the, in, in the classification. Yeah, they are. And I think that's really neat. You know, I, something the WPIL actually did, and I guess we're getting away from uh, winter and fall sports here. But since you mentioned baseball, I, I think that people can kind of relate to this, your uh, listeners and viewers. Um, so typically what they do and they do this in basketball, you play a section game, you know, against a team in, you know, if it's basketball, let's say December or something. Uh, and then you 
you play them, you know, let's say you played them at home in December and then you'll play them on the road in January or early February with baseball that used to happen as well. You know, you'd play a team in April at home and then the second time around in the section, you would play them again in May on the road. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, and I think this was a great idea by the WPIL, um, they said, why don't we put both section games back to back because of starting pitching? That way, teams have to dig into their bullpen a little bit more. So if one team has an ace pitcher, he cannot obviously pitch back to back days against the same team where before, you know, he may pitch against a team in April and then pitch against them again in May. So now in the WPIL, if you play a section game, you're going to play that same team on a Monday and then on a Tuesday. And that's it. So I thought that was really neat that they did that. Uh, they did that. I don't know how many other places around, you know, the country they, they kind of do uh, the scheduling like that, but I thought that was a, a great idea. The only downside to it, I guess, if, if you play a team early in the year, like let's say you're one of the section favorites and they're another section favorite and you play them early in the year, maybe you're not playing your best baseball. You know, you may cost yourself a section title right there at the beginning of the year. If you get swept by that team on back-to-back days where in the past, you know, you may lose to them early in the year, but then you start playing your best baseball and you play them again and you beat them. So that's the only downside, I guess, to it. But I think it's great. I, I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. And I think on top of it, you know, it's just extra baseball for the guys and and and, and for everybody else, you know, guys, girls, everybody, you know, being able to have that extra game in the week. I think that's going to, you know, make everybody very happy. And it keeps the schedule kind of like clean and tidy, right? You know, when the section games are now, of course, rain plays a factor into that. You know, if it rains on a Tuesday or something, you may have to to play the uh, the very next day. But you always know that the section games are Monday and Tuesday. And then the rest of the week, you can, you know, fill in w- with the non-section games, however you you kind of want it. But um, I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent here about baseball. But I thought that was now that you're talking, you know, mentioned baseball, I thought that was pretty neat to mention. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we can get back on on the on the right track here with football, because I know we had a really big broadcast this past year, Penn Trafford Hemfield. And if I'm not mistaken, again, correct me if I'm wrong here. Second most viewed regular season broadcast in the 13 years of WSN. So as a as a business owner, first off, that's got to be make you feel incredible and make you feel great about that. What was it like just seeing those numbers and just seeing that, you know, not only from a business owner standpoint, but just being the, the, the founder of this really, and kind of looking back all the, all the different years and just where this network has come from. Yeah. It really makes you feel good. Uh, when you look at the, uh, numbers, uh, normally what I'll do after a Friday night, maybe on Saturday at some point, or if I forget, maybe on Monday, you kind of look back at the numbers and see what our viewership was and what our, what our listenership was. And we have been covering Hemfield football for a number of years. Penn Trafford, uh, was our first ever football, uh, actually our first ever sports team that we covered, uh, except for Seton Hill University as well. Um, so we have really grown a really strong uh, following for PT, especially and Hemfield as well, because again, we've been following Hemfield for a long time and broadcasting many of their games. And uh, so we kind of knew, you know, those two teams playing one another, we, we kind of knew that it would, it would probably you know, be a high number of people, especially with the way that Hemfield started the season. Uh, and I think that was a huge reason, uh, too, why the viewership numbers were so high. Uh, but, you know, Hemfield starting the season so great. Penn Trafford then, of course, uh, a, a perennial power. And the game itself was really good. So, like, 
you know, at halftime, maybe there are some people that didn't tune in yet and they're seeing scores and hearing from people like, Hey, this game's really, really good. And you know, then they're definitely going to turn it on, you know, at that point. And, um, and, and it was just, it was awesome. You know, look, looking at the viewership numbers, I'm trying to pull them up here now. So we had almost, um, 8,000 views, uh, to the broadcast, which, uh, is, is crazy. And we also streamed, uh, that night, I believe to Facebook live as well. So the, these are just the numbers to our website, not to Facebook live, just to our website. So yeah, it was, um, it, it was pretty crazy for the live. And then people, you know, watched on Facebook. They also watched back to the archive as well. I'm sure a ton of Hemfield people did because the Spartans beat the Warriors for the first time. And what was it, Jack? A long, long time, long um, time. Yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was really cool to see. And then for people that, that might be wondering out there, well, what was the, you know, highest regular season, uh, watched game on WSN? It was Jeanette and Clareton during COVID. Now remember during COVID, um, they had a very, very reduced uh, amount of people that could come. I think it was like, I don't know, 250 or something like that. Or maybe it was 250 overall, what you could even have in the stadium. So that included, the players, the media, the cheerleaders, uh, the band, which I think the band only performed at halftime. Like they weren't, it's, it's so crazy to think that that's what we were doing back then. Um, but Jeanette and Clareton played the first game of the season that year. And again, barely anyone could come and it was such a big game. And, uh, you know, we had just a a, a ton, I I think almost 10,000 for, for that game. Um, so there were some other factors in there. Uh, that, that kind of led to that too is the fact that again not many people could could come to the game so they had no choice they had to watch it uh, so that that was a pretty cool thing and, and, and there was a lot of responsibility on us back then you know to to be able to you know give people quality broadcasts but yeah the Hemfield PT game I mean that's one you'll certainly remember not only because that many people watched but just how the game went to again with Hemfield beating Penn Trafford and the way they did it too yeah uh, that was an incredible atmosphere to be in uh, just that that environment at Spartan Stadium I and listen, I've only been around for about two years now, so I know that there probably has been many other Friday nights the place has been rocking, but that's <laughs> arguably been the loudest I've ever heard that stadium in the two years I've been working with you guys and working with working for you. So that was that was really, really cool to see and uh, to just kind of be in the middle of, of it all. But I know we've got another Westmoreland County team we briefly mentioned earlier on that's still in the playoffs, still alive in Bell Vernon. I know that we covered it last week, or at least we kind of did some different things coverage-wise. We didn't actually have a broadcast but we were still letting people know what was going on live tweeting and such. But what was it like to just be in that atmosphere and be at Akersher stadium for that game? Yeah, it was really cool. You know, I had a chance to uh, cover Bell Vernon and Aliquippa last year and be on the sideline and then Penn Trafford and moon. What a game that was with PT winning, um, you know, being on the sideline. Uh, I, I will say uh, that was my second time in the stadium since they changed from Heinz field to Akershaw stadium uh, I went to the Steelers uh, Patriots game earlier in the year, which of course they lost. Uh, but uh, it was weird just looking up at the big scoreboard and not seeing the ketchup bottles above it and just seeing Akershore. I mean, it's, you know, there was a little uniqueness there. There's everything so cookie cutter now with stadiums. Um, there was a little uniqueness with the, with the ketchup bottles, but Hey, Heinz got outbid. That's the way business is. So anyway, uh, but yeah, it was really neat. The atmosphere uh, was great. You, you had to feel good for Bell Vernon because it was their first Whippeal championship since 1995. They got there last year. They they win so many games every year to put themselves in great positions in order to, you know, get to a WPIL championship. But I mentioned them dropping down in 3A, how it benefited them. They played a really tough non-conference schedule. 
So it's not as if they, you know, they dropped a three a and they're playing two a teams or, or something. I mean, they played a really good non-conference. They played Thomas Jefferson, a, a class above them, McKeesport, a class above them. They played Penn Trafford, two classes above them. So, uh, you know, it's a team that, that tried to test themselves as well as they could in non-conference play to get them ready for, for their conference play in which they kind of skated through. And I think that was a big reason why, uh, they did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was great. A lot of Bell Vernon fans there, the student section, um, you know, they had the, the cheerleaders. It was, it's a nice, it's a nice way for the community to really come together. Uh, and, and not just the fans and the players, the cheerleaders, uh, the band had a great performance at halftime. It's a way to show off your entire school. It's not just about, you know, what's happening on the gridiron, if you will. It's about, you know, everyone kind of getting together, being a community, and um, all everyone's hard work throughout the season really uh, coalescing there. And and, you know, they're hoping they can get to to a state championship. But, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Being, I'll, I'll share a funny story here, Jack, on on the sidelines. So for those that don't know, uh, Bell Vernon has a four star, if not five star recruit, one of the best in Pennsylvania and one of the best in the country in Quentin Martin. He's being recruited by everybody. And he put on a show for everybody at uh, Acroshore Stadium. Uh, Bell Vernon beats Avonworth in the uh, WPAL 3A championship game this year. And so he has this amazing electrifying punt return. I mean, I'm watching it. I'm thinking, okay, they have him hemmed in. He still took it back for a touchdown. It was unbelievable. So he goes and sits on the, uh, you know, on the bench. And I had, uh, I was taking some video, taking some still shots. So everyone's kind of around him, taking some pictures of him. And, you know, I took a picture. I've got a really nice uh, picture of him. And he was like kind of gesturing to the fans. And um, th- this older guy comes up to me and says, hey, can you take a picture of me and Q? And they call him Quentin. They call him Q. And I'm like, uh, during the game, like the game's going on, like Quentin's still on the sideline because he's getting his breath or whatever. And, um, you know, they're Bell Vernon's getting ready to kick off. And uh, he, so he gets up and the old guy's like, can you take it? I'm like, uh, okay, hurry up. Give me your phone. So I take a picture of him and, and Quentin Martin was cool about it. He, you know, he's putting up the deuces or whatever, you know, and uh, the guy comes back over to me and I give him his phone back. I'm like, man, I didn't want to get in trouble. He's like, oh, it's no big deal. He's like, I coach Quentin in midgets. And I'm like, okay, man. I'm, and I'm like looking for Matt Humbert, their coach. Like, is he going to like come over and clothesline me here? Because I'm taking a picture of them on the sideline during the game. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh my gosh. So I kind of tried to scamper my way away from them as quickly as possible. But tell you what, he's a great kid though. Quentin Martin, for those that, you know, haven't heard his name, I think you will very soon. Uh, and uh, I mean, he is a really, really humble, well-rounded kid, gives great interviews. So yeah, I mean, he's electrifying. Uh, I mean, going back to the game against uh, Mount Pleasant, and mm-hmm. that was just incredible to see him score. Yeah, I mean, you've watched him play, touchdowns. Jack. You've called yes. his uh, games for a couple of years now. You saw him play last year and and this year. I mean, it's just um, you just get your popcorn ready. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and you can tell that. I mean, there's there's a there's a clear difference from him and everybody else, and there's a, there's a large large gap in between him and everybody else, and in really I think the entire uh, state of Pennsylvania. I mean, again, I haven't seen every single football player in the state of PA, but from what I've seen in a very strong, you know, concentrated part of the state in Western Pennsylvania, where a lot of the really good football comes from, he's been by far the best player that I've seen play, and he's just unbelievable to watch such a blast to watch excited to watch him this week and we'll obviously get into that in in a little bit but something that i i realized and i wanted to bring up to you because i would love to hear your opinion of it i know that bell vernon what they've done is 
And for everybody at home that doesn't know, there's usually the week zero is kind of uh, the quote unquote, the first week. And if, if coach Tim McCabe's listened to this, I highly suggest he turn it off. Cause I know he's very, very strongly opinionated about this. However, you have the option of whether or not you want to maybe elect a scrimmage on that week zero or actually play a, a legitimate counted game. What Bell Vernon does, and they've done it at least the last two years, and maybe they've done it in previous years, but they elect to go with the scrimmage. A lot of teams like to play that first week zero game. Do you think there might be something in that maybe? Yeah, I mean... You, you mean in order for Bell Vernon, that's why they've had so much success? Yeah, I mean, is there is that maybe, a, is there some sort, maybe that extra week of not having to worry about playing competitively in a sense of this counts for something? Does that do something for them? I mean, do you think that that has almost been maybe a separating factor or, or almost a, a secret advantage that they've been able to give themselves over everybody else? And that's why they've been so successful the last few seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, because I think there are, a high percentage of teams that do play a week zero game, which means you're actually playing a real game and, uh, instead of a scrimmage. And obviously it works for them. I just think that um, Matt knows his kids the best. Obviously he knows his program better than anybody. It's his program. So uh, he feels that that's the best way for them to get ready for the season. And it was interesting. They actually scrimmaged Franklin regional um, this year in that uh, week and uh, and Franklin obviously went on to have a good year as well. So, I mean, I, I think it just it's to each his own, I guess, whatever coach uh, feels that um, is best for their program. That's what they're going to do. And, you know, it's it's worked for Bell Vernon. So you got I, I don't know. It's worked. I don't know that it, it has separated them from anyone because they do that, but it, it's definitely worked for them. Yeah, well, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I guess right. they should just not fix it. Now, I know that they've got a big game this upcoming week against Central Martinsburg, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. everybody calls them as, as Central. What's going to be kind of some coverage on our end that you can share with the listeners at home and, and get everybody uh, jazzed up to tune in to some Bell Vernon football this Friday on WSN? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I won't go through the whole process here of what, what we kind of have to go through in terms of uh, playoff games, but... Um, unfortunately, another outlet has all the exclusive rights to Whippeal, that's district playoff games. Um, and that prevents us from consistently being able to broadcast Whippeal playoff games. And it's unfortunate. You know, we cover these teams all year. Franklin Regional gets to host a home playoff game for the first time in a long time. We can't broadcast it because of exclusivity. You know, uh, Penn Trafford, exclusivity. And, you know, so it, it really is unfortunate that, uh, you know, we're able to cover these teams all year and then we can't, you know, when the playoffs come around. For the PIAA playoffs, it works a little bit differently. Uh, other outlets are permitted to do audio. No problem. Uh, radio stations, they don't, there's no exclusivity there. They have to pay a rights fee, but it is what it is. But for video, it's a little bit similar. So, for, for video, the NFHS network, and some people may have heard of NFHS before, the National Federation of High Schools, they have their own network, and they have exclusive rights to all PIAA playoff games in every sport. However, they don't send out their own broadcast teams. They contract outlets like Westmoreland Sports Network and other media outlets, uh, networks, online streaming uh, companies, um, to broadcast the games. So they'll get in touch with 
us or whomever and ask, hey, would you guys like to stream the game on NFHS Network? Um, there's no other option. Uh, you, you have if, if video is being streamed at a PIAA playoff game, um, it has to be through NFHS Network. Uh, that's the exclusivity that they have. So we will be there. We will be streaming the game. We will allow people. I mean, people will be able to watch the game. The only caveat is they have to have a subscription to NFHS Network. Uh, they can pay. It's if you don't have a subscription yet, it's I, I believe it's twelve dollars for a monthly subscription. You can either keep that subscription or you can cancel it after the game. They make it really easy from what I understand. Um, and that's it. So you're basically paying $12 to watch the live game, but I can promise everybody that we will have a very quality broadcast, especially with Jack Ridenauer on the color. I mean, we, you know, it's going to be good when you keep Sean in line, it's going to be a good broadcast. Uh, we'll have multiple camera angles. Um, so it'll, it'll really be, be worth it. But the one thing that we're trying to communicate with people, like if it wasn't for NFHS network, we'd go there, broadcast it, and there would be no charge to anybody. I mean, we never charge anyone to watch a live broadcast on WSN, and that's how it's always been, and that's how it will be. Um, but again, for these PIAA games, we have no choice. I mean, it's exclusivity. It's a contract. We must stream through NFHS network. We don't make any money off of any, you know, these subscriptions, nothing. Uh, this is just the way that it has to be, but we're really excited to, to, you know, to go to broadcast it at central Cambria state semifinal game, Bell Vernon, central Martinsburg should be a lot of fun. And, um, I know we'll get into this uh, on the broadcast, Jack, but Central Martinsburg wings it around a little bit. They throw the ball a lot. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, their offense versus the secondary for Bell Vernon. Yeah, I did see something from our uh, our good friend, uh, Mr. Beckner, uh, mm -hmm. who does a wonderful job uh, keeping everybody informed of the high school sports scene around here. I saw some pretty staggering uh, passing statistics from from them. So I'm very excited to uh, dive into that. But uh, in terms of keeping Sean Myers in line, <laughs> Oh man, that's uh <laughs> that's that's a tall task to to handle. But I I try. I really do. I, I mean, keep I on try his toes. And, Yeah, I mean, I usually bring a little bit of a longer rope to try and reel him in because, you know, you kind of have to give him a little bit of wiggle room, but uh hopefully Friday he'll be uh he'll he'll, he'll stay in line, but with basketball season on the horizon, and uh, you know how much I enjoy talking about basketball, you probably are like, oh my lord, not about basketball right now, but a lot of exciting stuff, and I know with Seton Hill, a team that we cover in depth, we are the broadcasting home of Seton Hill Athletics, they've got a new men's basketball coach, I know that's been kind of a big you know, news kind of thing going on and, and, and whatnot around the school and a, a new thing in the, in the department. I know they're off to a great start as well. You were watching a little bit of the game earlier this evening, but what was just kind of the overall feeling of having this new coach uh, in the, you know, with the program kind of rejuvenating and, and, and re-energizing, if you will, the Seton Hill men's basketball program? From what I understand, so the previous coach, Kendrick Saunders, uh, was not retained following a, a three-win season last year. They bring in Ben Wilkins, who is a, a local guy to Westmoreland County. He's actually a Mount Pleasant graduate, but uh, previously um, you know, coached uh, at Navy. I, I think that he kind of took the shackles off of the players, from what I understand. you know, Talking to uh, our guy, Ryan Mice, who actually has helped us out with uh, a softball broadcast in the past, his brother... Uh, so Ryan plays on the Seton Hill team. His brother is actually a pitcher in the Pirates organization. Just kind of throw that in there. It's kind of cool, Justin. Um, but, um, you know, talking with Ryan and talking with uh, some other players and, and you know, the AD, the SID at Seton Hill, I think 
I think the new coach, Ben Wilkins, is kind of letting them do what they want. Now, of course, there's some structure. They're not just going out there and, uh, you know, sandboxing it up or whatever. But, you know, they're they're it's um, they're being a little more free with their play. And I think that's been that's been huge compared to what it was the last couple of years. They brought back a lot of players from last year, even though they only had three wins. um, They still had some experience. They still had some good players. They just needed to kind of play the right way. And I think that's kind of what they're doing now. Um, you know, depending on what happens in this game tonight, they're up by two points, by the way, right now, still some time left, but, um, you know, to start out undefeated after a three win season, they have a win over Shippensburg, always a good program really is impressive to see what Seton Hill has done to start the season, but still a lot of work to do. I mean, you're not expecting a PSAC championship for goodness sakes. Let's see what happens when they do face some adversity. They have to be able to work through that. Everything's been going great for them. They've been beating teams by double figures. See what happens when they face adversity. But uh, again, there's some really good players on this team. Yeah, not to mention 81 points against Shippensburg. You know, not just a win, but 81 right. points. If I'm not mistaken, they scored 100 in their home, in their in their season opener. So a lot of good things to be up uh, and excited for up on the hill for the Griffins. But Dan, as always, my friend, a pleasure, a joy to have you back on. As always, you are one of my favorite people to have on the show. No, I'm not saying that because I work for you. I am saying that because I do mean that. But before I get you out of here, Steelers are playing tonight. I know you're a big fan of the black and gold. Oh, gosh. I know, <laughs> I know, probably last thing you wanted to talk about, but I would love to hear a little uh, final score prediction, maybe some hot takes from tonight's game, anything that you're feeling? This is this is weird, and, and people are going to like roll their eyes at me for this, um, but I think it's best for the Steelers to lose games, to get higher draft picks just for one year. They start the season three and seven. I don't think there's any way possible they're making the playoffs. And if they do, they're going to get trounced by the, like the Chiefs, like they did last year. So I, I, I know it's, it's weird. You know, people were rolling their eyes. Uh, what kind of Steeler fan are you? You're hoping for losses. I, I think for this year, it's best for them to get a couple because they already have two second round picks. Make sure those are high second round picks, and then a high first round pick. They need to build up their team. They have way too many holes in a bunch of different spots offensive line, defensive line. I mean, they don't have many strengths on this team, maybe receiver, maybe outside linebacker, but they need corner help. I mean, they need help all over the place. Um, interesting. They're going against Jeff Saturday. A lot of talk about that. Um, a final score prediction. Oh man. Do I, do I need to go with it? I, I you know what? I think the Steelers are going to win. I do. I, I do. I think they're going to win. I'm going to say 20 to 14, 20 to 14 Steelers tonight. Well, there you have it on Flick's forecast of the Steelers game tonight. Don't and take it to the bank. Don't go on, you know, Bet Rivers if you're in Pittsburgh to place a bet because of what I did. Well, I guess I guess the game had already been played by the time you see this or hear this. So we'll see if I'm that, right or not. Yeah, we'll get to grade you tomorrow morning. I'll I'll, sh- right. I'll send you a text message in the morning and say, well, this is going to be interesting. So, hey, maybe you With hit the this on the, on the – if you hit this on the head, if you if you nail this score prediction, Dan, I'll I'll give you a prize of some sort. I don't know what, but I'll give you something. I'll get to be a guest on Sandwich Saturday if I get the right score. How about that? I like that. I like that. We can make that happen, my friend. Already, my friend, as always, pleasure having you on, as always, and uh, we'll be chatting soon. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate what you do for Westmoreland Sports Network. You do an amazing job. No one prepares. Well, maybe you and Sean might be on the same level of your preparedness, but you guys, no one prepares harder than you guys, and I really appreciate everything you do. 
And there he goes, Dan Flickinger. Another wonderful episode today, everyone. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple and Spotify, and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine Twenty RTP All Capital, Instagram at Riding Underscore the Underscore Pine Underscore, and on TikTok at Ride in the Pine All Lowercase for all of the latest updates on episodes and content to come. All two hundred and sixty-seven episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings and reviews. And again, folks, I know I've been very busy with things lately. I've got a lot of things on my plate broadcasting wise and with my broadcasting job. So as you can see, especially with who we had joined the show today, my boss, Dan Flickinger, you obviously know that a lot of things going on right now. So if I've been a little bit absent with the ride in the pine stuff and with the podcast, I do apologize, but don't worry because we're going to keep things rolling as always. And nothing's happening to the show. Just been a little bit of busy. So as always, we're going to get things rolling out there. We're going to continue to turn out great episodes and continue to get great guests to join us here on ride in the pine. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on ride in the pine, Keep on sitting the bench with me.